Hello everybody and welcome to season one episode two of Tea for Two. As always I'm joined with Claudia and today we are going to be discussing our key tips for picking your firm university choice. Hello and as promised in the last episode we'll be discussing the plethora of maintenance issues we've had since joining the university. Okay first things first Abby how'd you end up in York? Well, it, was, it wasn't actually one I intended to go to when I first sent off my application, to be truthful. It was, it was just a place that I knew I liked. I knew it's very pretty, very historical. So I thought I'd chuck it down just in case I decided I wanted to go there. And then I ended up going to an open day just because I thought, why not? To be truthful, it's time off school, so I'm not going to say no. And then I ended up falling <laughs> in love with it. So now I'm here. What about you? Any particular reason you've come to York? Well, mine was quite the U-turn. So um, as you know, I took a gap year and actually for the whole of year 13 and during my gap year, for the most part, I was set on going to Edinburgh. That was my dream university. That's where I wanted to go. And then sort of as the spring of last year approached, so thinking, well, maybe going to Scotland isn't the right thing for me and maybe that's not quite the course I want to do it was a really similar course but a slight variation um and my friend Selena goes to York and she's currently in second year and she was saying how great it was and how pretty it was and my family had been uh and they always said oh Claudia you know you'd love it and so I looked into it and thought well you know what let's do York uh because I think it's so important to consider aside from how good the university might be or how good the course at university is compared to others. Um, It's really important to think about the actual place itself because at the end of the day, you're picking somewhere where you're going to be committing to living for three to four years, maybe even more of your life. So it's important that you enjoy the place itself and the facilities that it has besides um, what's purely academic. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think at the end of the day, every university is going to give you that degree that you need. Everyone is going to have pretty much the same learning environment, similar things. It's the place that you're going to be living that's really the thing that tips your university choice over the edge, in my opinion. Definitely, because a lot of people focus so much on, oh, well, this is the best possible university, which is great, obviously, because highly recognized universities will get you more valuable degrees to the eyes of some employers but it's also important to think that you don't want to be somewhere you hate and then be miserable because for example we've been really enjoying going for walks in the city and exploring all the nooks and crannies of York and going to Betty's when we could and seeing the Minster Um, and I think it would have been a different a really different um, experience if I'd chosen to stay in London for example because I think it would have felt less new if it makes sense and it's quite nice to have the excitement of really starting afresh um but some people prefer staying home and that's absolutely fine it really comes down to preference and what you value the most yeah I remember I went for this scholarship slash bursary thing at my old school and I just remembered in the interview they were questioning me and interrogating me as to why I hadn't applied to Cambridge or Oxford they were like oh your grades are good enough why aren't you going there and I was just sitting there like I don't know how to answer this question I don't want to go there why are you making me feel bad because I haven't want to go haven't wanted to go to this uni that everyone says is so great luckily one of my teachers was there was there and he was like yeah some people just don't want to go I think she's perfectly capable but 
for her this certain university maybe not won't be the best and I was like thank you so much I just don't want to go there it's so much pressure and you don't feel good enough so I think don't feel pressured by what other people are telling you to do stick with your guns if you don't want to go to Cambridge if you don't want to go to Durham if you don't want to go to a Russell group don't just don't yeah and I think so many people were saying the same thing to me with London universities because I live in central London and everyone was saying oh but you know you have imperial right around the corner it's a 15 minute walk from your house why don't you go or like oh there's all of these other great universities that you could take the tube to like Brunel or um, King's why don't you go to Queen Mary's and they're all really great universities and that they will have amazing teaching capabilities but seeing as I moved a lot growing up I really wanted to move again and sort of get a different taste of England so sort of not stay in the big city and see what a smaller town is like and I've really enjoyed that um I've enjoyed York being a lot less chaotic than (laughs) central (laughs) London is it's a nice break yeah I think there's so much pressure in today's age to go to a quote-unquote good university a Russell Group university when sometimes that might not be the best thing for you so when you are firm in your choice of university don't purely put your first choice as a Russell Group because it's supposedly better it doesn't mean it's going to be the best choice for you and I think that's one of the most important things about firming that UCAS choice another thing that's important is a lot of people stress the course itself and the content that you do on the course is being super important. Whereas I found, although it gives a good rough estimation of what you're going to be learning, you're not guaranteed to get your first choice option in every module. So obviously for my group project, I really wanted to do the supernatural. I didn't get my first choice for that topic. So don't pick somewhere purely because you see this one really good module that you want to do because it changes every year and you might not get to do it. I think that's another really important thing that most people don't know when you actually go to firm them. Yeah, I've got my year two module form um, coming up to pick which ones I want to do, but we'll see how many of the three I'm selecting I'll actually end up getting. Um, So yeah, I think it's really important. Actually, if you look into it and if there's something that you're really passionate about, usually at most universities, regardless of which one you're at, you can sort of wiggle yourself into that area of your degree anyways um so for example I was really interested in the water aspect of my degree and also the social aspects of environmental science rather than just the straight up physical geography let's talk about rocks which is also interesting um but not somewhere I see my career going and that's why I was so keen on Edinburgh because they had this amazing oceanography module with a trip to the barrier reef in Jamaica Wow! to go scuba diving for two weeks and run different tests in it. Um, And so I was crushed when I decided not to go because I thought, well, I'll be missing out on that. But actually York has a lot of modules and different practicals that substitute for that quite nicely. And If I want, I'll just go to Jamaica in my own time. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. At the end of the day, your uni experience is going to be what you make it. If you choose to do this extracurricular stuff and these extra societies, then you can probably do the things you want to do anywhere. And obviously, if you you are interested in barrier reefs and stuff like that, you can go and research (laughs) it in your own time or specialise in that for your dissertation or something. So it's not the be all and end all if 
there's not a million different subjects that you want to study in the course outline. Yeah, I think a lot of people try and look at the degree as much as possible and its content because school is so restrictive in some ways. Yes, you get to pick the subjects, but at the end of the day, the syllabus is the syllabus and everyone's doing the same thing. But besides from first year for a lot of courses, actually second and third are a pick your own adventure kind of thing. So you will get to do what you wanted to do in the first place, um, regardless of where you are. So just pick somewhere you like. That's yeah. the best advice I can give. Definitely. And don't feel pressured by parents, family or stuff like that. Especially I feel like a lot of people get pressured to go to the university that their parents wanted to go to yes. or the one that their parents did go to. And just because that was your parents' dream doesn't mean that it necessarily resonates with you. Mm-hmm. So don't pick it purely because society and your parents are telling you to. It's your life, not theirs. Yeah, I had something similar but um mostly coming from me because I thought my dad went to Exeter and I thought gosh it would be so cool if I went to the same university as my dad so I applied to Exeter they had a good course but actually I ended up scrapping it and putting it I think I ranked it last in my UCAS form because even though yes it was Exeter University and yes the course was really good my department wasn't in Exeter itself it was on the other campus which is on pretty much the furthest peak of Cornwall (laughs) and in the middle of nowhere it I remember looking it up and it was like a 15 minute walk from the nearest village and then another 10 minute drive until the nearest town and I thought gosh if I'm looking at nightlife and all the other things I enjoy doing like going to the cinema and going out shopping and for walks I'm not going to enjoy being in the middle of the countryside 24 7 um so that's how I scrapped it (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I was just thinking in my head whilst you were saying that another thing this was a huge mistake that I made when picking my university choices don't pick a university purely because it's pretty and I know (laughs) it's easier said than done but I remember I put down Royal Holloway and Nottingham because I thought wow they're stunning I'd love to go there it would be beautiful But realistically, not all of the campus looks like that. Universities pick the prettiest part and they use that as a sort of propaganda for the university. Because York, for example, I don't know why they pick the lake. It's pretty, don't get me wrong, but Heslington Hall is just so much prettier. It's stunning. So I never went for an open day um, at York because it got cancelled. But when I got to York, I was so surprised by seeing that Heslington Hall was actually a part of the university and actually it's where the university started so it would make sense to have it in the marketing um but Central Hall seems to outrun it every single time (laughs) some reason unknown reason (laughs) but yeah a lot of unis have this what is it 1960s vibe they say such a huge 1960s vibe yeah I don't know what it was about the 60s most universities seem to have built then and everyone's looking back on it now thinking why did we make everything concrete why did we think that would have looked good (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely I mean I think that's the best advice we can give really yeah so to sum it up try to find a balance between a course you enjoy and a place you'll also want to be living in because although you'll be studying probably most of the time you'll also have a lot of time where you'll be wanting to 
go and do stuff that you enjoy or hang out with your friends so make sure there's an environment where you can do that or even a university that offers societies that cater to your hobbies if you have a really specific one at home like I don't know for example I enjoy boxing um or if you enjoy radio pick a university with a better radio (laughs) i.e York we're the best we are the best quite literally uh, another thing that's just it's just come to me transport links mm, is potentially yeah. another important thing to look at I remember I picked York over certain other universities because the links to get home to Cambridge were really good so that's a good thing to look at if you do enjoy seeing your family if you don't then don't worry about it but if you've got people you love at home then it's a good thing to check yeah because it's been so great um especially for us to just hop on the train it takes me one train and three hours door to door um and I'm home which is brilliant because I could technically do it in a day if I wanted to but I'm not crazy enough to (laughs) um but it does make it a lot easier especially at the beginning when you're feeling a bit more homesick knowing that well if I wanted to I could hop on a train and be home in three hours that's always a nice feeling Yeah, I mean, it's all well and good when the train's actually working, but when they're not, you can have a bit of a palaver. But I'm sure we'll talk about that another time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The Christmas adventure. Yes. Anyway, as promised, I think it's time to talk about some maintenance. What do you think? Ooh, yeah. So when we got to university, (laughs) a couple of things didn't work. Um, And I wasn't expecting this at all, but actually thinking about it now it's so common I mean the university is looking after what hundreds of houses and flats and even at home things break and you have to have someone come fix them and actually I wish we had a service like maintenance for just regular houses I'm gonna miss them next year when we move into (laughs) a private landlord's home before we expose all of the different problems we've had i think we should make it clear that maintenance have been absolutely lovely every time we've needed oh them to come and fix something <laughs> they've been so brilliant and i just want to thank them you're amazing keep it up you're great at your job and we're sorry for calling you out a ridiculous amount of times in three months <laughs> i think it's so great having just one number to fix it all because i mean we've had problems with the fridge the radiator um the taps even a cabinet at one point and knowing that there was just one number you could call or just one email address to then would come and fix it all um was really good because you don't have to worry about calling a separate electrician or a plumber it's just an all-in-one package which works quite well actually considering the amount of work they must have I can't imagine looking after student flats must be really easy (laughs) (laughs) although we've we've kept really good care of ours I mean we cleaned the extractor fan we did yeah let's start with the extractor fan and the palaver we had with that gosh I I still don't know why we decided to do that so if I remember correctly um it was one of the days where we'd mistakenly been striked off the cleaning register um because they thought one of us was still in isolation you um yeah but it was a month after my isolation which is why it's weird and So they didn't come and I thought, okay, whatever, I'll just start cleaning the kitchen. But it was one of those things where you're procrastinating doing your work and one thing leads to another. And every time you're cleaning like one thing, another one that needs to be cleaned appears. And I remember you were in the kitchen and we looked up the extractor fan and the filter was filthy. Mm, It was, it was, it was horrible. And I mean, very brave of us 
to say, okay, let's clean it because the accumulation of grease <laughs> that was in that thing was insane. I mean, it must have been, gosh, at least months, if not years, of just student cooking mm. trapped in there, festering. It was, oh my gosh, it still makes me feel a bit sick. McDonald's was quaking at the amount of grease <laughs> that we found in that extractor van and I don't know why we thought it was a good idea to take it out and clean it on like a Sunday afternoon but we decided to it was so disgusting yeah this is what happens when you're in lockdown <clears throat> your weekend plans all of a sudden turn from oh let's go out let's go to a cafe let's go out for lunch to how about we clean this disgusting extractor fan? That will be rewarding. <laughs> I wonder if we've still got the pictures of that because it was horrible. It was just brown sludge Ugh. and we were on the floor on these black bin bags just scrubbing it and cleaning it. And I remember you at the sink just squeezing <laughs> the, the fabric bit. Oh gosh, it was horrible. And the best bit is that a couple of weeks into being home so about month and a half after having cleaned this extractor fan maybe we got an email from maintenance saying that they were going to be replacing all of the filters <laughs> say what a brilliant use of our time i think the reason we did it is because we got a bit paranoid about how much of a fire hazard they can be yeah because google's supposed to make everything worse and it definitely did um and it was talking about how basically the whole kitchen would set alight like a matchstick <laughs> if we didn't clean it I just remember, who was it? I think James walked into us on the floor with these sponges, just saying, girls, what are you doing? Why are you on the floor with the extractor van? What's happened in this room? It was a mess, yeah. an absolute mess. Because we had to soak it ahead of time as well. There was, It was a whole operation. The recycling mm -hmm. bin had to be used to soak the grate because the grate was also sticky as hell. Um, the actual felt insert that actually does the filtering was soaking in the sink with huge amounts of dish soap to try and break down this grease we did a good job yeah how long did it take us it took a long time but we did a great job and it was sparkling by the end of it and you know what it wasn't the grossest thing I've had to do at university <laughs> Um, do you remember when I dropped the bin inside the red bin? Yes, you should explain that. Yeah. That's, that's a good tale. So we recycle at the University of York, which you should do, is a great thing for the environment, uh, which means that each flat has its own little compost bin. And when it's full, like with any other bin, you go and empty it into the big containers um, that are provided by the university downstairs by the entrance to your hall. And the bin designated for compost, you can imagine, smells delightful. It's, it smells like flowers. It's great. Um, and everything sort of, because the bags are biodegradable, there's always this permanent layer of decomposed sludge <laughs> at the bottom of it. Um, so we've always made a joke out of it because when you open it, the stench flies out. And so we'll usually have one flatmate open the bin and whilst the other one quickly tips the bin in and then shut it and run. But this time, the something must have leaked to the bottom. So the bag was stuck to the bin and the bin was so full 
and so heavy that when I tipped it in, I dropped it <laughs> and the bin went into the massive bin straight into the sludge. I wasn't lucky enough to have other bags be in there. So it went all the way down to the bottom of this tall wheelie bin. And I remember just looking at Beth and both of us laughing, crying on the inside and then me saying, okay, well, we got to get it back, hold my coat. And then having to just tie my hair back and half dive into this bin to reach for it. It was, it was disgusting. I had to take a shower afterwards <laughs> because my hair touched the edge of the bin and having seen people throw up in that bin it just felt disgusting <laughs> I mean I'm I'm sad that I didn't get to witness it you would have laughed so hard if you'd seen that uh, it seems like there's a recurring theme of sludge at the minute regarding our maintenance problems I'm really sorry if you're eating whilst listening to this we should have probably given a warning um <laughs> put the cookies down um it's probably gonna get worse just uh trigger warning mm, yeah slight trigger warning for what's coming next with your chicken in the fridge oh and the milk I feel like the fridge story is your story because y- you discovered it <laughs> I mean yeah I'll, I'll tell the story so I think it was probably second day third day we'd only been there a little bit so this was from my first shop I went to cook what did what was I going to cook for dinner curry something like that carbonara I don't know I think no, I think you were really excited. I felt so bad. <laughs> you were really, you, you, like, it was the first week of you trying to figure out all your reading and you were visibly quite overwhelmed and you were really looking forward to making your creamy chicken pasta. Oh, my creamy chicken pasta. <laughs> I remember you saying that morning, oh, I can't wait to have my creamy chicken pasta for dinner. It's like my treat for doing all the reading. <laughs> Yes. And then obviously I went to go and get the chicken from my lovely top shelf to cook said pasta. I took it out, went to cut it and just stopped. I looked at it. I think I called you over and I was like, something's not right with this. I don't like it. I'm getting bad vibes from this chicken. And then everyone gradually came over to look at my chicken. I think it's my mum's fault. She's kind of enforced into me that meat is bad and you need to be very careful with meat or you're going to get food poisoning so I was very wary about this chicken and I just remember smelling it and saying no I'm not cooking this (laughs) I remember you gradually called us over um to get second opinions and everyone was just smelling it and pulling a face like to say (laughs) "Mm, maybe this isn't right and we were sort of on the fence about it we were like well maybe that's just what chicken smells Mm. maybe it's really close to its expiry date but I think it was like a week off and I think the dead giveaway there was the fact that it had those massive yellowy green patches on it it was it was not very nice at all yeah it was a little bit tinted yellow wasn't it it was so but not too bad to the point that we thought yes this is definitely dodgy but to the point that we thought "Mm, we should probably check so I of course to the point Abby had to call her mum yes I I called my mum like mum my chicken's weird what do I do and she being the good responsible adult said don't risk it if you think it might be dodgy which is some great advice for any future students absolutely if you're not sure just bin it which we did if it smells funny, 
go for go for the bin and risk wasting those two or three pounds because you really don't want to get food poisoning (laughs) yes it'll be worth it so that happened and we kind of all just assumed oh maybe it's just this pack of chickens a bit funny even though I'd brought it like two days before maybe it's just the chicken and we're fine the next day comes and I go to have a tea in the morning like every sane person does I take the little milk out of the fridge lumpy I don't even want to talk about it because it makes me feel nauseous I just remember <laughs> Robbie was in the kitchen I oh I can't I can't to to give a visual picture clotted cream or cottage cheese oh. <laughs> that it, it wasn't very nice but in the meantime I remember because the two of us share a fridge with Robbie so Abby's in the top shelf Robbie's in the middle and I'm on the bottom shelf. And Robbie was saying his milk was fine. And I remember putting my milk in my cereal and thinking, gosh, this is really cold. So I thought it was a me issue. And I thought maybe my teeth are just really sensitive today. And this is really cold. Um, but then lunchtime rolled around and we were all thinking, oh, well, maybe the fridge is off. And I remember pulling out my cherry tomatoes to make a chicken salad. And they'd frozen to the point they'd burst because ice expands or better water expands when it freezes um so I think that was the moment when we all thought okay yeah this this maybe isn't the way your fridge should be working yeah it was as if my top shelf was really warm and then the bottom shelf was freezing so there wasn't a winning scenario here either you had moldy curdled food or you had frozen exploding food I mean I know which one I'd rather have the less pungent smelling one but <laughs> gosh I remember um Robbie's tangerines freezing solid they were like golf balls we started playing hockey with them didn't we in the kitchen oh gosh oh oh that was disgusting yeah but it was quite the saga because once we decided okay this is broken we did what we were told by the university which is call maintenance um So we rung maintenance, we explained the issue and they said, okay, mark the fridge that's broken and we'll come fix it as soon as we can. So we put a nice little poster on the fridge saying I'm broken (laughs) with a little sad face. Um, And the maintenance guy came in, I think they sent in an electrician and he said that the temperature in the fridge was set too high. And so he fiddled with that. I don't think any of us were either in the flat or available because we were in lectures. Um, so he just left a note on the same post that's saying, I'm fixed now, and a smiley face, which I really appreciated. Um, but the issues didn't end. No. The fridge was still freezing everything. At this point, we were begging for political asylum in the other fridge. So we sent a follow-up email. And the follow-up email said, oh, give us another call gave them another call. And I remember the lady saying, well, we've sent someone. So who told you it's broken? And I remember feeling so offended and because it was the thing I was the most scared about with calling maintenance, which was because I'm a student, they might not take me seriously because they'll think you've never lived on your own. How are you going to know if this is actually broken? And I think in a way she thought I was exaggerating um because fridges don't often freeze things (laughs) or partially cook others especially at the same time but yeah so a couple more emails in and then 
they sent yet another electrician in who opened the fridge, stuck his hand in at the top, took it out, stuck it in the bottom shelf, and he said, yeah, this is ruined. <laughs> um, and just walked out and came in with another fridge a couple of days later. The smell. Uh, so I think, was this after that the, the second electrician had said it's broken, but they hadn't come to collect it yet. So it was just kind of still there. Yeah. But we weren't using it. It was just on. Um, who was it? I think we went in in the morning for breakfast and it stank. We were there. We were thinking, has someone been sick or something? Because it is disgusting. It's revolting. And I can't bear to stand in the kitchen. Yes. Do you remember? Because that's the brilliant thing about a flat group chat. Because you can immediately text into it being like, did anyone smell something really gross when they walked into the kitchen this morning? <laughs> um, you can see everyone slowly coming out of their rooms to verify. And it did. The kitchen, the second we walked in, smelled disgusting. So we assumed it was the bins, didn't we? yeah um we assume someone had been sick in the bins the night before <laughs> i don't know who would have been no. considering we were all together but your brain automatically goes in uni and considering we all have en suites and yeah the sink there's just no reason why and cause especially considering that the bins are under a countertop i don't know why anyone would choose to throw up in there <laughs> yeah so we spent gosh what half an hour trying to sniff around the kitchen <laughs> and figure out what the smell was because we'd also just taken the bins out. So there was no way it was the compost. Um, and we realised there was the fridge. Yet again, same fridge. Yeah, it was horrible. We were basically imitating the sniffer dog dogs from Police Interceptors <laughs> with our, uh, our scent tracking skills. And then we realised it was the fridge. So we thought, right, let's pull the fridge out. Maybe something's died. Maybe some animal has died behind said fridge. So we thought let's check we'll be the bigger but everyone was too scared so of course we ended up having to do it so thank you to the rest of the flat who just left us to f- try and find whatever was causing the smell this is how bad it smelled as well we assumed there was a dead mouse behind the fridge yeah it was horrible newsflash there wasn't a dead mouse behind the fridge thank god but the smell did get drastically worse once we pulled it out so we don't know what it was but something had gone terribly wrong to the point that we febrezed the fridge in a hope that it would fix it. But unfortunately, it didn't. Yeah, because we disinfected the whole of the outside because we thought maybe mm. something's leaked and it's rotting. Um, but I think what it was in the end was the drainage, which was actually the issue as to why the fridge wasn't cooling properly um, at the bottom. Because when they came and collected it, the instant they picked it up and tipped it to carry it out the door all of this murky water just slushed down to onto the floor I was having my breakfast um and I remember the the maintenance guys coming in getting it tipping all this water and saying we're so sorry you're gonna have to clean this up bye and I was like okay <laughs> but thank you for taking the fridge that's all I care about I'll clean it if you take this fridge <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've had a few problems with smell, i.e. Henry the Hoover, our good friend. He's been with us through everything, but he has a weird smell, doesn't he? And we don't know why, and we don't really want to know why, but it is disgusting. He does, and I wish I, I wish there was an indicator of how often students do this or should do it, because we've never emptied Henry the Hoover. 
granted we've only really been in our rooms for a couple of months um but it does really scare me to think about the day that we actually have to empty it because one of my friends had this hoover that smelled really weird every time she used it and I remember the smell being really similar to that of lovely Henry um or pneumatic because it's the off-brand um, which isn't fair because Langwith gets actual Henry the Hoovers. Campus East has real ones. We want Hoover equality. Give us the proper <laughs> Henrys now, Halifax. Thank you very much. And and the reason this Hoover smelt so disgusting every time they used it, they only found out after a couple of weeks, was because her older sister had thrown a party and someone had been sick. And in being drunk, she thought that the best way to clean up this vomit from the floor was to hoover it up um so the smell stayed forever in the hoover and they had to get a new one and so that's what I'm scared about with Mm. pneumatic or numpty as we call him (laughs) because I always get the name wrong um and because it does smell pretty funky but it's fine we still love him we love him just the same I'm not going to volunteer as tribute to clean that out. I think one of the boys can take that job. I'm I'm perfectly fine just spectating or even just not. If they're listening to this, they're probably thinking, hell no, I don't <laughs> want to do that. It might have to be a team effort with like teams for support. Yes. Um, both emotional and physical. Couple nose plugs, maybe. I think that's a very good idea. Okay. We've had, there's many more to come. There's many more problems to come. So many. Hang tight. (laughs) And I'm sorry again if you are eating, but we did warn you, so serves you right. (laughs) Next up, let's talk about the radiator problem that we've had, where Bethan and I just don't have working radiators. Well, I mean, everyone doesn't have working radiators, but as I've said in the last episode, we're above the overpass. So it is freezing. It is the North Pole in our rooms and it is horrible and I have to have about seven blankets and a hot water bottle to be able to function properly. Yeah, luckily this is a lot less um, graphic and revolting sounding than the previous two. I think they're not as gross <laughs> anymore. I think we've moved into the more minor um, yeah. issues now. But gosh, your room was freezing because I remember, I remember thinking, oh, my room's a bit chilly, but I'm really lucky because... I have a room at either side of me and then also top and bottom from the other two flats. So I'm really only exposed to the outdoors on one side. Um, But I remember thinking, gosh, my room's a bit cold. And then going into yours and thinking, wow, this is not okay. Your room was, (laughs) your room was probably colder than the top shelf of the fridge. (laughs) Somehow. How's that? How's that work? Yeah, it was absolutely horrible and it just wouldn't get warm at all. The radiator wasn't even on slightly when it was on number five or whatever it was on. It was still horrible. We just assumed they were on a timer, didn't we? So we thought, oh, the radiator comes on in the middle of the night and we don't realise, but maybe because it's getting colder outside, this was towards maybe Halloween, the end of October. Because it's colder outside, then it's getting colder in here. Um, But nothing really changed despite of how much we hiked up our radiators. Mm. I think as well, the problem was exacerbated by the fact that the kitchen is so hot. It's unbearable. It's basically a sauna in there. We have the radiators off and the window constantly open. 
but for some reason we just cannot regulate the temperature for all the lives of us not at all it's the biggest temperature shock I remember um having to change to go from my room into the kitchen because my room would be significantly colder um especially when the radiators weren't working yet because we should mention they were fixed promptly as soon as we raised the issue um yeah I used to have like a fleecy jumper on to study and then I'd know I was going into the kitchen and think okay wait short sleeves <laughs> otherwise I'll swelter as I cook yeah I think it's important to know if you are moving into Hickleton Court the kitchen is always boiling so make sure you bring some vests <laughs> should we be saying where we live that's a good point to be fair we're not there so it's fine at the minute we could always just boot out yeah that's a good point yeah we're not there so if you want yeah. to egg it don't do it whilst we're there please <laughs> but yeah it's always boiling and you have to wear basically no clothes if you want to go and chill in the kitchen yeah and actually I think it's not even just only our flat it's a whole block issue because I know someone who's now in second year and she actually lived in the flat opposite us during her first year and they had the exact same problem and it was even worse at the time because they could do flat parties so imagine yeah. the temperature that room gets at when there's only the six of us in it and then times it by three because there's 20 something people in it. Yeah, it must be absolutely horrible. Oh, well, it's all fixed now. Um, except do you remember when we got the radiators fixed and then something because there was an issue with the water. Um, so they had to get a guy to come in and fix the boiler. But as he did that although it fixed the radiator the hot water um stopped working randomly because I think I showered at like 7 p.m and then James went in for a shower shortly after I did and that's how he found out that the hot water wasn't working in any of the taps in the flat because he had a lovely cold shower (laughs) again the group chat came in clutch then it was just a little message from James saying is everyone's hot water not working? And everyone in sync goes to their shower, turns it on, puts their hand in. <laughs> you could almost hear everyone standing up from their desks and shuffling over in their slippers, like we mentioned last week, to their sinks and turning them all on and saying, yep, actually, my shower's really cold and so is my hot tap. And same in the kitchen. I mean, it was an experience, but yes, they did fix it very quickly and we could have nice warm showers again. Oh, it was lovely because that's actually a really great thing about our flat and the court we're in. The showers are amazing. Mm. When I moved to university, I was expecting sort of a really low pressure, sort of dribbly <laughs> shower kind of thing. But then we got there and the shower heads are pretty big. The pressure's really good. I really enjoy my showers at uni. They're great. Yeah. Whilst on the topping of piping, um, do you remember this possibly one of the funniest experiences we had with maintenance when one of them came in, knocked on my door and said, hey, um, I've, I've come to change a washer because your sink is leaking. And I immediately thought, wait, no, my sink isn't leaking because it wasn't. So everyone else came out um, and we were trying to figure out whose sink it was leaking. And he said, yeah, it's, it's the sink in room 11. And... And the girl who's a flatmate who's in room 11, she said, wait, it was my sink? And he's like, yeah, your sink is leaking. She's like, my sink is leaking? (laughs) Um, And it turns out her sink was leaking since she'd moved in and she had no idea. But maintenance does rounds of the flats 
before university start and they must have noted um, that her sink was leaking back in the summer and she hadn't noticed until then. You know who was also lovely though? The extractor fan guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> he was so nice. I wish I'd taken his name to leave him a positive review because I don't want maintenance to associate us to complaining. I'd like, I'd like them to associate us to a positive review every so often. Um, because they have been really handy, haven't they? They have, 100%. If we ever need any help, they're straight there. They're straight round to come and give us a hand, even if it's for no reason, as we explained last week with my door. But they were very lovely about it, and they didn't make me feel like an idiot, which was nice. I always want to ask them what's the funniest maintenance issue they've ever had to deal with, because there must be pretty interesting ones. Like, what's the wildest thing students have broken? If, if anyone from maintenance is listening into this, please come on the podcast. We want to know about it. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Can we get the head of maintenance on? Yes, that would be amazing. Please hit us up. I was going to say, I mean, if we have to answer the question of the funniest thing that's happened to do with maintenance, it would have to be Bethan's cupboard door and that whole palaver. Gosh, I wish we'd filmed it. I mean, we couldn't have known, but... Our reactions were priceless, especially because it was one of those rare moments where the whole flat was in the kitchen at once in the mornings. Yes. So let's give you some context here. Our flatmate, Bethan, she has a cupboard that is chock-a-block full of everything you might ever need to bake or cook. She's a brilliant cook, brilliant baker. So she has a whole basically pantry stuffed into her cupboard. It was in the morning. I think she went to go and get her cereal or something out from the top right. I think she'd come back from her weekly shop. Yeah. I think it was a Saturday morning because she likes to go early. Um, Yeah, and she was putting away this box of Aldi Crave cereal. (laughs) Legendary. Yeah, so she went to go and put this away, opened the cupboard door, and all of a sudden we all just hear a massive bang. So immediately we all turn our heads around to look at the source of the sound. See Bethan standing there trying to grab this cupboard door that's flung off the cupboard. Um, But yeah, her attempts were futile and the cupboard smashed into the wall. And there's now a nice little cupboard shaped hole in the wall. I, I can't even describe how sudden the whole thing was because it was one of those things that you see and I almost watched it happen in slow motion um, because I was sipping my coffee, leaning by the sink, wish, uh, waiting for my toast to pop up. And I was having a chat with all of you guys. And all of a sudden, I think the what must have happened was that her cupboard has some release hinges for the doors. And so the box of cereal must have pressed the hinge or the hinge must have come slightly unscrewed because then maintenance actually had to come and tighten them all. Um, but the top corner of the door like came unhinged, then proceeded to swing and in swinging unhinged the bottom of the door. So then there was this heavy, thick wooden door sort of spinning, wasn't there? Yeah. And Bethan was stood there thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, that probably would have killed someone if it hit them I screamed all of you were looking like that shocked emoji that's half gone blue from the fear (laughs) 
<laughs> and then we all just sort of had to take a minute and no one said anything. We just looked at this door wedged into the wall thinking, um, what just happened? <laughs> I think the thought was as well, what are we doing about this massive hole that's now in the wall? And I think yeah. it might have been Robbie who just moved the ironing board in front of the <laughs> hole. Like if we can't see it, it doesn't it doesn't matter and it didn't happen, okay? Yeah, but maintenance knows about it. They know there's a hole yeah. because um Bethan sent them a nice fat email saying, Hey, this happened, help. And they eventually came and fixed the cupboard door but until they did do you remember one of us would continuously be walking towards the cupboard trying to shut it because it felt so wrong that this cabinet was open all the time <laughs> yeah um so there'd always be someone automatically walking to it to shut it and then realizing that oh the door's on the floor next to it <laughs> yeah it made the rest of us scared to open our doors as well because Gosh, obviously we all have identical cupboards. So we were all just thinking, oh, please, not me as well. I don't want this to happen to me too, because someone will get extremely hurt. Yeah, because it was scary, wasn't it? It was one, a really big, heavy wooden door and two, falling at pretty great speed. And if it did that to the wall, I mean, I don't dare think of what it would have done to someone's foot, for example. Gosh, out. Yes, I mean, I think that's drawing to the end of the episode so I think a good closing point would be a query from the last episode I know shocking we've actually got a question sent in which is it's amazing I'm so I proud know. of us <laughs> so they asked what bag would you recommend for university what are your thoughts on that I think this links really well to um our episode last week but it really depends on personal preference and the course you're doing so I have a big leather over the shoulder bag, um, which can also become a crossbody. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great um, for going to lectures because I was imagining to need a lot of books and notebooks like um, I have at school. But actually, because everything's digital, um, all you need for lectures really is your laptop. So if you want to, you could get away with just a tote bag potentially. Um, and actually what I found is that my over the shoulder bag that I thought would be really handy for lectures is actually a great weekend bag for when I'm just packing a couple of things to come home for the weekend. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of bags being used around campus. I mean, you're using a backpack, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm using my trusty backpack, which has a little built in laptop section, which I think is great because most people buy a new laptop for uni or have a nice laptop for university so you don't want to risk breaking it maybe just having it loose in some sort of little flimsy Primark bag which is fine but uh, I'm a worrier so I don't like risking it so I have a nice sturdy backpack. <laughs> so am I have you seen how my laptop travels to lectures um, so I have a padded waterproof case for it just in case my water bottle spills and then this, it's basically made of neoprene. So it's like putting it in a little wetsuit. Um, and then the laptop in its little wetsuit goes into a padded pocket, just in case I fall over and fall onto the bag. And I mean, it would never happen. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> but if it does, my laptop's protected. Yeah, I mean, it's better safe than sorry at the end of the day, isn't it? No, you're absolutely right. Um, it really depends on what you want to be carrying around. I don't recommend something super heavy, like the bag itself being huge and clunky because you're not going to need that much stuff um, unless you're doing a degree that maybe like art 
um, that would require you to carry more things around. But think about your degree, maybe even go to university with the backpack you used at school or a tote bag and then see how much you need. Um, that's always a good indicator sort of seeing what you need for each lecture and for each seminar and if it actually makes sense to have a massive over the shoulder leather bag or actually if you can get away with just even carrying your laptop in a case um because I'm yeah. sure if I needed to I could just do that <laughs> you don't want to bring a ridiculous amount of bags with you to uni just in case you need it I use the same bag for the majority of things if I go out to town I'll use my little backpack if I'm going to a lecture I'll use my little backpack so it's, it's great to have a multi-purpose bag yeah so there we go bottom line is just get the bag that you're most comfortable with and suits you and your course's needs. Um, thank you again for listening. We really enjoyed having a chat. We hope we didn't ramble to death, um, although we certainly feel like we did. And that you found some humour in how much our flats are falling apart. Hopefully our degrees won't do the same. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for listening, everyone. And see you next time.